Hey, um, we're going to be starting back our internship and the second half of the year, we're, we're looking at theology. So if you want to grow in your understanding of theology, um, I want to encourage you to come along to the internship. You don't have to be uh, you know, a leader in our church or an intern specifically the next half of the year. We're just looking at theology. Uh, so if you want to know a bit about that, and there is, there is some minimal cost involved because we've got textbooks and stuff. Don't worry, there's not huge assignments and stuff. But it will grow your understanding. We will talk about scripture. We will talk about things like Christology. Don't get freaked out. It's the study of Christ, uh, the Trinity. We'll, we'll be talking about uh, getting uh, you know, a little bit deeper into theology. And uh, it's not quite Bible college, uh, bachelor sort of stuff, but it is going to be some really good deep stuff. And uh, I'm going to be doing some of the lecturing. Uh, Tim, Tim's going to be doing some of the lecturing. Man of many talents doesn't only play guitar. Pastor Melvin is going to be doing some of the lecturing there as well. Uh, so if you're interested and you just want to grow in your understanding of Scripture so you can be solidified, uh, why don't you come see me? And uh, we'd love to have you involved. The commitment is really on a Tuesday night, um, and it's lots of fun. It's lots of fun talking about God, talking about His Word. Okay, how you doing? Beautiful, beautiful day out there. Looking forward to it. Christmas in July later on today. It's going to be good. Love to have you. Uh, everyone's welcome. It's kind of you know kid friendly. So as long as you're okay with kids, you know, running around and yelling and carrying on. Come along. Uh, it's going to be good. Today we're going to be starting uh, a new series. You know how I like to speak in series. Uh, thank you for your, uh, your feedback on the previous series. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, we'll get back to the book of Romans. We're going to take it one slice at a time. It is quite heavy. And so, but we're going to change tacks in the next uh, couple of weeks. And we're going to look at the attributes of God, the series. We're going to call it, Who is God? Who is God? It's a good question. Because, you know... When we use a word like God, not everyone has the same idea that we may have. For example, especially in Australia, you know there's some slang in Australia. And if we use that, other people may actually interpret that very differently. You could say someone flogged my car. And we would know what that means. But that's a very different picture to what someone else overseas may think when we say that. You could be like, you know, um, oh, I'm going to go for a walk on the beach. I'm going to go get my thongs. That could give you very different pictures. I'm just saying. Whatever. So you could say, I believe in God. And that could give you a very, very different picture to what someone else who says, I believe in God. So when people say, I believe in God, or we say, hey, we are followers of God, what does that even mean? Who is God? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to the person that's listening to you? <coughs> Pardon me. Who is God? Is he an old man? 
with a big white beard down to here, sitting on a cloud with baby angels playing harps around him. Like, is this, is this the picture? How, how do we build the picture of who is God? This is a very important question. Because as Christians, we actually don't get to make up our own perspective on who God is. This is how religions and pagan religions have worked throughout history. They created an image of God in their own likeness. In fact, the first commandment, you know the Ten Commandments? You know how there's Ten Commandments, right? The first one is this. I'm going to read it to you. Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 to 4. It says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and this is the commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or, the, or beneath the earth or the earth beneath or the waters below. Now, there's a, literal, um, there's a literal way of looking at this, right? God doesn't want us to actually make an idol and worship an idol, the idol. But there's also a metaphoric uh, understanding of this. In that God does not want us to create a picture of the type of God that we want and then worship that. Because we can create a picture of a God that says, you know, he's okay with... Um, you know, the way my lifestyle, I, I want to do this. I know that's against the word, but I, I'm okay with that. And so God is a loving God, and therefore we can create an image, a picture of God, and worship that God, which is actually idolatry. Are you with me? I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, because that's how pagan religions work. We create an image of God that we would like. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the attributes of God because as Christians, we come to God's revelation in Scripture and we let the Scripture, the revelation, how God revealed uh, Himself to the world, explain who God is to us so we can build the right picture of God so it's not based on our own understanding, our own image, but based on His revelation of Himself. So next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the love of God, because God is a loving God. Do you know that? We're going to talk about the patience of God, because God is a patient God. And today, we're actually going to speak about the holiness of God, because God is a holy God. And, you know, what does that word even mean? What is holy? These days, we don't really use the word holy in our culture anyway, in its intended form. It generally, you know, forms part of a cuss word, right? So the meaning and the understanding of holy is kind of lost. And so we're going to go back into Scripture because God puts Himself, He reveals Himself as a holy God. And this is one of his, this is not a side attribute. This is why one of the key things that we need to understand about God is that he is holy. So we're gonna, today we're going to spend some time, the attribute today that we're going to be looking at is holiness. Next week is love. The uh, week after that we're in camp. So the week after that we will come back and be looking at the patience of God. I think I got those weeks right. Um, 
I'll have to look at my calendar. So let's look at a couple of scriptures. Today we're going to ask, ask what is holy. What is holy? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. Before we do that, I'm just going to pray. Father, we just come before you and we ask for your wisdom. I ask for your wisdom. I ask for the flow of the Holy Spirit to speak through me, my words, so that people would hear you. I pray that all our hearts would be open, Holy Spirit. That we would see things and you would reveal things in ways that we have never understood. And the things that we have understood, that you would drive them deep into our soul. Give us a deeper understanding, a wider understanding. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, these are angel beings, each with six wings. With two, they covered their faces. I like to think that had something to do with how great the brilliance of God was. Right? When, when, we, you know, when, when we look at the sun, we kind of, or we're looking at someone and the sun is in our eyes, they're covering their faces. And with two, they covered their feet. Now that's an odd thing to think of in our culture, but um, when you go to some cultures, uh, a sign of respect is to touch someone's feet, right? And so there's this, there's this honor, there's this respect, there's, there is a posture of wow, and there's a posture of, hold on a second, I've got to be respectful here. And with two, they co- covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And one of these weeks, we're going to talk about the glory of God. What in the world does that mean? You know, some people go, oh, I want to do this for the glory of God. What is that? Talk about that in a few weeks' time. This is a very key part in Scripture, and I'm going to tell you why in, in, in just a little while. This here is one of two scenes of the throne room of God. What is actually happening at the epicenter. The next one is in Revelation. We're going to read that as well. And we're going to do that now. <clears throat> Each of the four living creatures had six wings and covered their eyes and... And was covered with eyes all around. Let that blow your mind for a minute. Even under their wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy. (coughs) Next verse. If we don't have it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Incredible. Let me tell you something about uh, that I understand that I've been told about Jewish literature. You know, when you when we want to emphasize something, what do we do? If we want to, we send it in. We send a text, right? We want to emphasize it. We put an exclamation mark. Or you know, if someone sends you a text and it's all uh, uh, capital letters, 
What are they doing? They're yelling at you. <laughs> or you might want to, you know, if you want to soften the message, you know, like, you know, you're really late. Smiley face. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, or, or you want to, I, I don't know, you know, you can use emojis and there's different tactics of trying to uh, convey different emo- uh, emotions, right, through text. The way that a Jewish person would convey uh, emphasis to emphasize something is that they would repeat it. See, Jesus says, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? And what's he saying? They're going to go, Lord, Lord. No, they're going to be like, Lord. They're going to emphasize. And so when there's repetition in the Bible, there's emphasis on a particular, especially in the Jewish text. And that's true in the Greek as well, in the New Testament as well, because it's mostly written by Jewish people, so they use the same sort of technique. So when we read something like this, and we read that it's holy, 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 it's a very important thing. They're not just saying it three times. The writer, the, the, the writer is trying to convey that this is, this is a, highly emphasized. And as far as I understand in Scripture, there is nothing else with the attributes of God or no other term that is repeated three times. In the, very throne room, in the very throne room of God, they're not saying God is loving, 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 which He is. They're not saying God is just, 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 which He is. They're saying God is holy, holy, holy. So what in the world does that mean? This seems to be a very key attribute of God. And if we want to build a clear picture of who God is for us, we need to understand what holiness is. And in our culture, the word just does, has no meaning. So today I want to spend some time kind of breaking it down. The, the, the root word of holy, the Hebrew word, is to cut. Cut. But like with a knife, you're cutting something like some carrots. And the idea then extends to cut and separate. And you get the idea of separation, of distinctiveness, or the best word that I can find to describe is the word holy in our language would be unique. No rivals, no competition, a cut above. R.C. Sproul puts it this way, the primary meaning of holy is separate. It comes from an ancient word that means to be cut, to separate. Perhaps even more accurate would be the phrase a cut above something. In 1 Samuel 2, verse 2, it says, There is no one like you, Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. There is no one like him. There is nothing that you've seen that could absolutely, that could define who God is. And so these angelic beings that are in the throne room of God, that if one of them were to stand here, would cause us to buckle and to be afraid and be amazed in their glory. These angelic beings with six wings that stand from floor to ceiling are blocking their face at the brilliance of God, are holding themselves together with respect, looking at Him going, whoa, holy, holy, holy. They have no words to explain it. 
They haven't seen any other brilliance in the world. See, when we explain something, just say you see an animal. You've never seen that animal before. And you go, okay, I've got to explain it to you. It's got, it's, got like a, it's got a bill like a duck. But it kind of like crawls on the ground like a, like, like a weird thingy bob. And, it's, and, it, and it has like fur like, like a bit of a, um, a, a bear. And it's got webbed feet, and it's got like a tail, like, like a flat tail, like a, something that has a flat tail. I'm not... Ex- what, am, what am I describing? A platypus. All right, but well, how do we do it? We go, okay, we describe that thing by describing other things that we know. That's how that's what we make association. That's how we learn, right? That's why you need to learn your ABCs before you read. So we make associations, but what happens when you see something that is completely other than what anything else that you've ever experienced? It's unique. It's in a class of its own. It's holy. When it comes to God, this is the idea. There is nothing. There is no competition. There is nothing that that would describe His greatness that could be like, it's like, well, you know, there is in a sense... Because you look at nature and you think, oh man, God is, God is amazing. Look what he did. But not even nature express, expresses his complete glory and his uniqueness. And so the picture that is built in the very throne room of God, in the very heart, in the epicenter, is one of great grandeur like nothing else. Like nothing else. There is nothing there's nothing like this. It's, 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 he's different. He's different. And not in a weird way, like, oh, that's different. You know, like you go to gallery of modern art, and people are like, how was that? Oh, it was different. <laughs> not that sort of different, but brilliance, where, where there is no words. So I want to give us four points today to maybe help us build a picture of the holiness of God that we could help us understand what the Bible is saying about who God is, okay? And the first one is this, the wowness. Now, I know you're impressed with my vocabulary, and there is more where that came from. <laughs> the wowness of God. That's basically what they're doing when they're saying, holy, holy, holy. They're like, wow. That is something else. They're seeing an aspect that is kind of making them speechless. Have you experienced something that kind of made you go, wow? Have you? What would that be? Anyone want to shout out? Well, like, what was something that, like, you kind of, maybe you saw something uh, like a, a natural phenomena um, when a baby's born? It's wow. Baby, yeah. Anything else? What, what made you go wow? Were you standing uh, looking at, I don't know, the Eiffel Tower and you said, Uluru, Taj Mahal. What else? A sunset. You saying sunset? Taj Mahal. Barrier Reef. There are moments that are literally, in a sense, transcend your the language, the things that you feel is not fully expressed through language. 
And sometimes, and often, that could be through our art. You, ex- you experience something in music, or you see something that is so beautiful that it, that it creates an emotion within you that is kind of hard to relate. It's wow. It's amazing. I wonder if that was kind of where David was when he asked the question, what is man that you, oh God, are mindful of him? Like, you're, 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 wow, you're there. Have you experienced the wow of God? When was the last time you've experienced it? When was the, can, can I ask you that? Can I, like, let's answer it for ourselves. Personally, don't yell it out, please. <laughs> when was the last time you were standing in worship and maybe you were broken or hurting or <clears throat> and God reached down and touched your heart? You're all sitting here for a reason. It's not because you didn't have anything better to do, I'm sure. It's a beautiful day out there. <laughs> There's lots to do. Some of you completely transform your life. You're going in that direction, and then you started going in this direction. You experienced something. Maybe you've forgotten it. But there was something that happened. Maybe it was transition. Maybe it was slow, but you experienced something. When was the last time you're standing in worship and you, you're just like, God, you're just amazing. I, I just don't have the words right now. Or maybe you were at home and, you know, and, and there was this, there was, you were troubled and the sense of peace of God just fell upon you. You're like, it, it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. When's the last time you were wowed? You know, when we do worship every Sunday and we create a, what I'm going to call a meditative state, <laughs> which is what the music is about, and we're creating, uh, we're speaking lyrics of the greatest truth. The greatest truth. You know, we may not fully understand them, and that's the thing about conveying truth. Truth grows deeper as your understanding gets greater. Like, we all know God loves you. You know that, right? Jesus loves you. Like, they make t-shirts out of it. But as your understanding and your experience in life gets larger, that truth goes so deep, so deep into the foundation of a soul that it forms your identity. When's that last time that that stake was driven deep into your soul? We experienced the love of God. When's the last time you were wowed when you looked at Scripture and it slapped you in the face and you thought, God, you spoke to me. You spoke to me. We've all experienced that in some way. This is a sense of His holiness. When we are wowed, when we see something, we sense something that we haven't, haven't sensed before, or maybe we have sensed before, but it, but it leaves us speechless. And then if you would try to explain that to someone who hasn't experienced it, we're kind of like going, oh, was, yeah, you, uh, um, there was a connection? <laughs> maybe? Well, just have a sense that that's what the seraphim, these angels that were in the presence of God, they were wowed. 
got this this scripture here, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so we worship God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Guys, God is, God is a welcoming Father. Don't get me wrong. He is familiar in a sense as well. He is not distant, but at the same time, He is one to be looked upon in awe. In awe. When is the last time you have placed yourself in a position? And this week, we're going into fasting and prayer, because can I be honest? So often, myself, I get so busy even doing good things for God, that I get so busy that my world is not positioned for me to receive the wildness of God. Because those wild times happen often in silence. It happens in contemplation. It happens in, in holidays. It's sometimes the most inspirational things you ever get is in the shower. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes Bethany would come out of the shower and she'd be like, I've got to write five things down. It just got, came to me, came to me writing it down. What is that? It's quietness from the busy world that we live in. When's the last time we've experienced the way of God? Second thing that may help us understand the holiness is the mystery of God. The mystery of God. Um, there's a song that I don't like, but is a song called what if God was one of us? Do you remember that song? Terrible song. Don't sing it, bro. Stop. <laughs> We're going to do it next Sunday. No, okay. <laughs> what if God... Well, I've got the chorus here. Here's for you. What, was God, what if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. Just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home. Thank God, God is not like that. <laughs> Here's an idea. God is not like us. See, when pagans picture their gods, they just picture their gods like them, just bigger and stronger, right? Because gods are big and strong and got lots of, lots of power. And that's why you've got Greek mythology, where the gods were basically human beings on steroids, <laughs> Right? And they, that's why they like, slept with one another and broke up and had kids and then the kids married the parents. It was like, it's just crazy stuff. And nonsense. It was just like stuff like that's, you know, just power, greed, humanity on steroids. And it's, it's not the picture of, of God. God's not like us, just bigger and stronger and better and can do whatever he likes. In Isaiah 55, we're given some insight on who God is. He, say, he says this, he's speaking of himself, as the heavens are higher than the earth, which is pretty high, all right, poetic language, trying to give us an idea of the distance, as the heavens are above, are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What is he saying? Well, what does this mean for us? It means that all of our thoughts about God that are outside of his revelation, that is from Scripture, are at best incomplete. 
or completely wrong. See, some people think that if you lived and you experienced and you were a good person, you would actually find your way to God and understand who He is. And then the Bible, they look at the Bible as a record of people who have progressed through this enlightenment and wrote it down through history, okay? That's not true. If we didn't have the inspiration and the revelation of Scripture, we would not find our way home. God's way is higher than our way. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, which means that we are limited, that we are in a mystery. Someone put it this way. We're in the mind of God. And if we're in the mind of God, how in the world can we step outside and understand it? It's a poetic way of going, he is so big, he's so amazing. How in the world are you going to comprehend? Yeah, you seen those people that want to give God advice? You know, like if I were God, I'd stop all the wars. If I were God, it wouldn't be a place. Okay, how many universes do you create? Like, you know, I mean, look, I, I, I get it. I get, I got questions. Why is there suffering? Well, I got, you know, I got some, you know, questions. And I'm not, I'm not saying that don't have questions. We should have questions. We should try and reason through. But let's reason through from a place of where we actually are out of humility against an almighty, all-powerful God who dwells in unapproachable light. As opposed to come to, I'm the authority here. And if I was God, I would do it this way. Okay, because you got yourself under control. You got your family listening to what you say. The whole world thinks you're the greatest. And now you want to give God advice. You're like, you know, there's, some, there's something off here. There is a mystery that we are in, that we are searching through in our finite, limited understanding. And there is an infinite God with infinite purposes who has ways higher than our ways and thoughts higher than our thoughts that we are trying to understand. Let's approach it that way. We serve a holy God. He's big. He's great. He's huge. I don't understand it. And sometimes I, I have a problem with some of the things. But let's just make, like, if I have a problem with something, there's not something wrong with him. There's something wrong with me. I need to work some stuff out. I need to sort some identity issues out. We are in a mystery. We're in a mystery. We're here looking off into the sunset, into the horizon, into the greatness and the vastness of this universe he created. And when you grow in some understanding, or when you look at astronomy, or when you look down into microbiology, you're just amazed by this God who made these things, who put this world into being, who wound this thing together. Who is this God? That's a sense of holiness, his uniqueness, the mystery of who he is. The third point that makes, helps us understand the holiness of God is God is unique. We kind of covered this. But His attributes are unique. God is love. And you know we love. We know what we all need love. But God's love is unique. It's not like our love. God forgives. We forgive, hopefully. But God's forgiveness is not like our forgiveness. 
We want justice. You know, you ever watch the movie and the bad guy gets pummeled? Like, even if he gets killed, you're like, yeah. Why are you celebrating someone's death? Because there's something within you that goes, justice has been done. Right? There's something, we, you know, we have these shared attributes, but they're not, they're not like God's. God doesn't love just because we're lovely, and hopefully the people that you love are lovely. God loves because He is love. And we're going to cover this. He is love, which means He loves people that are not lovely, and He loves people that hate Him. This is a good thing that God's attributes are unique. Have you ever had someone you love let you down? Have you ever had someone you love and loved you actually have a relationship that turned even to hate? Aren't we glad that God's love is not like human love? <laughs> it's unconditional. You're like, how could it be unconditional? How could you... Hate God and God love you. Well, because it's not based on us. It's based on Him. It's who He is. God is love. This is a very, very good thing. Doesn't mean that we can't love. Doesn't mean that we, his, his, uh, that the uniqueness of God is that he, he, he is love and we are not. No. It's that we don't understand the full extent of His love. And so, can I just encourage you, because we all got questions. You know, if you don't have questions, you're not thinking. Well, questions like, God, why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? How come it happened this way? I did that, and therefore this reasonably should happen. You know, I followed you, and therefore I should get blessed. Isn't that how it works? But instead, this, ha like, you know, I mean, human, human reasoning, we go there, right? But when we, when we understand the holiness of God, we understand the mystery of God, when we, it helps us frame, God, God, look, I don't fully get this, but your thoughts are so much higher than my thoughts, and your ways are so much higher than my ways, and I, and I understand through your words that you are always good, that all things work for good for, for those that are the love, the, the love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And in your mystery, and in your wellness, and in, in your, your greatness, and who you are, somehow you're going to bring this all together for my good. And I can't right now grasp it all. But throughout eternity, somehow, I'm going to be thanking you for this. And right now, I can't even believe that right now when I look at those, perhaps, circumstances. But when I look through eternity, I'm going to, I'm going to understand this journey that I've been on. And the last point is, I'm going to call the adventure. The adventure. You know, the longer I grow with God the more I am amazed at who He is and the things that I've known from, such, from just a child, like the simplest things and how deep they actually are. Things like the love of God. Things like God is patient and merciful. Things like, you know, our life is not about just Jesus puts it this way, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. 
like just simple things that are precepts for children in primary school, I am amazed at how deep it is. The more I live, the more experience I get, the more I interact with people, the more I'm disappointed with life, the more I'm enticed by sin, the more I'm uh, forgiven, the more I experience repentance, the more I grow and grow in knowledge and understanding and understand the world and physics and, 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 and all, all the amazing, amazing things around us, the more I ex- enjoy um, just, just being here and friends and children, the more I understand these very simple, co- uh, these simple precepts, they, they are driven so so much deeper in my soul and start to form who I am as a person. This, when you follow Jesus, when you're following, when you're after understanding who God is, this is an adventure. Now, this is not always fun adventure. Sometimes you're in the mud and you're stuck. That's part of the adventure. Sometimes life sucks. And sometimes you're on the mountaintop looking out and, and you know, at, at the brilliance. And, you know, there's a tear in your eye and you're saying, God, you're so, you've been so good to me. This is all part of life. But in the longevity of it, when you look over it in years to come, and you look back and you think, God, you've, you've You've, you've changed me, you've molded me, you've, you've created me more into the understanding of who you are, and you've shaped me. You've shaped me. Now, there's so much more to go. There's so much understanding as we grow and understand who God is throughout eternity that, our, that our, I want to say that our joy will be fulfilled. You know, the Westminster Catechism. The chief purpose of man. Chief purpose of man, Timmy? To love God and enjoy Him forever. Have you ever thought about God as someone to be enjoyed? Ah, think about that. Now, if you're on an adventure, I hope you're enjoying it. I mean, you know, we all got those parts of adventure. Look, you go camping, you got to set up, man. <laughs> that, who, who enjoys setting up camping? Not me. I'd rather someone else do it, and I rock up. Yeah. But you got to, you know, that's just part of it. You know, you want to go for a, a, a destination, a exotic destination, you got, you got to go, you got to fly. You got to go through the flight, okay? I actually like flying. I love flying. It's part of the holiday for me. But, you know, some people, they whinge about, you know, all that stuff. I'm like, sit there, eat food, and watch movies. What's wrong with that? I love it. But, you know, you, there, there are parts of the adventure to get to the part where you enjoy. But the purpose of life is to enjoy God. Is that part of your adventure? Like, do you see God in your children? Do you see God in your friends? Do you see God in music? Do you see God when, you know, I look at some of our musicians and, you know, they impress me. They're pretty talented. And I just think to myself, man, that, that talent, like it's, that dedication, that ability, it just speaks to me on a different level. 
I see God in it. Now, I'm not trying to become all pantheistic that God is in the, you know, you know God, is, God is the leaves and God is, no, no that's, that's not who, who God is. But God created all things to express himself. All things are created by him and for him. And all things are to be returned back to him in praise. This is a great adventure. And even our darkest moments, when we come through that, when we come on the other side, we look at the goodness and the greatness of God, the faithfulness of God, the ability for God to actually hold our hand through the longevity of life and bring us through all situations and to solidify us on a firm and sturdy rock. Now, we have a problem here in the sense of we're talking about God who is infinite and cannot fully be described. And this is the problem of the pastor. <laughs> and this is the problem of Scripture, the problem of a teacher, problem of a Christian. You see something, you experience something, and then you try to explain it, and you can't because there's no words for it. But my greatest hope is that perhaps, you know, like a diamond, you looked at it in this way. Well, that, that point's true. Looking in that way, I'll give you four different points, right? But maybe somewhere throughout that, the Holy Spirit would take that and build an understanding deep within your soul. And that that understanding will start to form and shape who you are as a person. And you would encounter God in a different way. Through regular teaching, through regular shaping of our thoughts, our lifestyle, and who we are. Let's pray. Can I get someone on the keys? Father, we we come before you and I've done my best to express the inexpressible. The holiness of God, the greatness, the bigness, the uniqueness and what those amazing beings are seeing as they have flown around you for all eternity. And I pray, Father, that you would take uh, these words and somehow inspire your people, that they may see greatness. They may experience the mystery. They may be wowed. And that they would see God in their adventure. And I pray for those people right now as part of their adventure is, 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 is a dark moment. They're asking questions. They are wondering why. Holy Spirit, would you come alongside them, Lord, where there is no answers and encourage them. Pour your love over them. Lift them up. Why don't you just take a moment? Maybe God has spoken to you in some way. Why don't you just take a minute to respond?
Father, we just want to thank you for your word that is a light to our feet, a lamp unto our path, that lights our way forward. Father, we ask this all in Jesus' name. We ask for your blessing upon this week that we enter for each and every one of us. May your people see God, see God in every part of their lives. And may this understanding of God change who they are. Transform us more into your likeness as we see truth, as we become more loving, more patient, more understanding, more like God, more like your dear son, Jesus who is the full representation of the Father. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.